Lorraine, it's, it's, thank you for agreeing to, to do this with us. Um, it's going to be fairly free-flowing. Um, we'll see how it goes. Just view it as a bit of a chat. Great, great. Cool. Fantastic. Um, we'll start off with, you're obviously uh, in a different country. We're not quite sure how that's played out for you in terms of lockdown and all that side of things. Right. How has it been and how have you negotiated the kind of last few months, um, both just personally and how you, you walk with God as well? Yeah, good. Um, I think I think it all took us by surprise, and um, I'm very grateful. Living in Germany, we didn't have a full lockdown at all, really. Um, we were always allowed to, especially if you lived alone, you were allowed to meet with at least one other person. Which, for me, being a people person, being someone that needs interaction, it was really important. So, a friend from the office, her and I would go running two, three times a week. So yeah. at least I could see her and then uh, we would often eat a meal together afterwards. So um, from that point of view, it was great to still have that personal interaction. Um, of course, for the first couple of months, we shut down the office completely. All of us were working from home. So my sofa became my office as well as everything else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but it, it was okay. Um, we also went to what we call in Germany Kurzarbeit, which is reduced working hours, um, so that uh, in order to get government assistance, financial government assistance, uh, it's something that the government did for every, basically every company, um, which meant I had a lot of extra time on my hands, which I wasn't used to. Okay. Um, but just a real time where I felt God was saying, you know, slow down, uh, be still, know that I am God. And I think that's one scripture that I held on to right from the very beginning was be still and know that I am God. And for me, it was just a real privilege to be able to, to spend more time with God. Um, and also we were always allowed out. So here where I live, there's a lot of forest around. So I often go walking and just walk for one and a half, two hours, and just really have a good prayer time and think about scripture and things like that. So, so for me, it wasn't um, it wasn't a hardship like I know it has been in other countries for other people. Um, I think of uh, people in Africa, people at home in Zimbabwe that you know they had a real lockdown, could only go to the shops and things like that. For us here in Germany, it wasn't so much like that. So I was very grateful. Um, for for that and just the extra time with God. So, no. Are you naturally quite a reflective person? Did, was that something that you kind of it came naturally to, or did you have to sort of learn it a little bit in terms of that being still? Yeah, with God? I had to. I had to learn it because I'm not very reflective. I I don't I don't like sitting still long. <laughs> um, I need to always be doing something. But also in that, if I'm doing something, especially creative, um, like I spent time making some cards. I love taking photographs of nature and things like that. So I spent some time taking, uh, I've got a whole lot of photos. So I printed them and was making cards. And often when I'm doing that, doing something practical with my hands, that's when I spend time reflecting with God yeah. and just things, thinking through, um, yeah, just scripture and often praying um, and things like that. So, but it was something that I had to, to learn, um, and especially just sitting. I did start at the beginning, and it's a, it's a habit I tried to create, but I haven't quite got there because it slipped again. Was spending at least 15 minutes just sitting at God's feet. Yeah. And I think I've been for about six weeks, but 
which is supposed to have formed a habit by then, but for me it hasn't. Because <laughs> I, I find now that I sort of like, I come to, come to work um, in the mornings two days a week and then start in the afternoon the other three days a week. Um, but I always wake up and I rush into, I do a little bit of a quiet time, but don't take that time to really sit and listen um, yeah. because there are things that I need to get done. So yeah, it's, it's a learning process. Um, I think some people find it easier than others. So yeah. yeah. I mean, Lorraine, one thing that I was thinking is it's really fun on a Sunday morning. Sometimes it'll pop up on the little chat on the side of a St. John's West Wickham church service that you're signing in from Germany. And yes, it's, it's so lovely to have sort of that, that international feel to a very local church here in West Wickham. Um, yeah. how, how has it been um, for you in terms of we, we've looked at issues of justice and there, there's been some right. big issues of justice around the world recently. Um, what has the mood been in Germany with a lot of the things like we've, we've had protests over here around Black Lives Matter and um, different things. How, how has that impacted Germany? Yeah, um, I think it has to a certain extent. I have to be honest, I live in a little bit of an international bubble uh, just working with OM ships and everything being in English here. So I'm not very strong at watching the German news. Um, I know it has been out there um, at times, but I think where it's impacted me more is us as an organization of OM has taken it very seriously. And in the ship's ministry and also OM as a whole, we've spent a lot of time and we actually called on the 2nd of July, our international director, Lawrence Tong, called um, a special day of prayer just to pray through the issue of the, the justice issue um, and mainly focusing on the racism side, um, which even you wouldn't believe it, you would hope it would never happen, but even in an organization like OM, it is a form of racism. It's not very outspoken, um, but there's ways that we treat people in some situations that you could say is racism. And so we took a whole day on the 2nd of July to address this issue and pray together as an organization. So I think for me, that's where it's impacted me more than here in Germany. Um, of course, there have been some protests, there have been some things going on in the bigger cities. Um, yeah, so from a German perspective, I'm sorry, I'm not very up to date with it. But from an OM perspective, as I say, it's something that's, that's very much on our hearts. Um, and in OM ships as well, uh, just looking at the justice issues in the world and seeing, yeah, seeing how we can respond and be a voice to those that are basically the voiceless, yeah. I was going to say, is, has it moved to sort of what the practical expressions of that might begin to look like, or is it still at the sort of, we're praying about um, it, we're discussing it? In some senses, we moved, especially in the ship's ministry. We're looking, uh, because with, with COVID-19, our whole ministry, in a sense, has had to be re-evaluated because our biggest thing was getting public on board the ship to buy books. Mm. Now, of course, when you have... And in some ports, 20,000 people coming on board every day. Um, of course, that's not happening in this current climate. Yeah. So we closed the bookshop. Actually, I think it was the I think it was the 12th or 15th of March. We had to close the ship, basically. So it's, we've taken time now to really look at what 
do we believe God wants us to do with the ministry? Of course, books will always be part of it. But is that having people come on board in the bookshop or is that in a different form? And the one thing that we've really been thinking through and the leadership have been praying through in particular is the whole area of going into communities and basically learning from local communities, the church leaders, the people of peace, as we call them, um, what is needed in their society and what can we do to help them achieve that? Um, and some of it will be adjust, addressing the justice issues. Some of it will be more practical stuff. Um, and yeah, just looking and working through that. Uh, we've also, as part of that journey here in the office, we are also doing this discovery Bible study sort of uh, type of team meetings where we take a passage and we break into small groups and go through it. And the one scripture that we focused on the other day is the one in Micah, um, which is the whole thing of, you know, what, what does God expect of us? Yeah. To, um, yeah. I can't remember it now. <laughs> yeah but the whole thing of justice love mercy walk humbly with your god so yeah, yeah. and there again it's it's an outworking and it's a journey that that we're on um to see yeah what can we practically do in the communities we go into um as well as just personally what can we do um, where, where is God calling us to speak up when we see injustice? Because often we take the middle of the road. It's easier just to keep the peace, don't rock the boat, so to speak, um, and say nothing. But what is God really asking us to do? So. Out of a sort of practical question, where is the ship in the world at the moment? Because I know you organise a lot of stuff for the ship. Where is the ship yeah. at the moment? And obviously not having the bookshop open yeah. um how can we best be praying for you in your role and also for the ship's ministry great thank you um the ship is currently in curacao um which is one of the dutch antilly islands in the caribbean um she we had planned for her to sail today to the bahamas um but there's complications it's COVID time and the bahamas seems to be shutting down again they did have an open door to us, but there's a lot of things going on there. So we're still in Curacao. Um, we've been there since sometime in June. Um, can't remember exactly when. And basically the crew on board the ship, we, when we arrived in Curacao, I think we had about 320 people on board. We probably actually maybe a little bit more. We're probably down to... 290 or so because a number of people have left and it's coming up to the time where new people are expected to join and uh, and the ones that have been there for one or two years are leaving so in the next week or so we'll probably see a lot more leave so i think one thing we can pray for is just this change over time uh, firstly that those leaving that they will look back on their time and really see the impact that it's had in their lives and how they can, when they go home, whether they're going to study, get a job or whatever, how they can continue to impact the world. Um, over the last three months, we've done a whole training series because the ship couldn't be open to the public. And of course, there were a number of people that then um, 
didn't really have a role to play on board because some people did because of course the cooking cleaning things like that still had to go on those working in the, the deck and the engine room had to to continue doing their work but everybody working at the bookshop or in our public ministries of course didn't really have much to do so um we actually took a number of people through a three months training program they're again teaching them how to do discovery bibles Bible um, studies, how to do all sorts of things. There's a course called Go Mobilize to how can you mobilize others into reaching out, not, not only going into missions, but what can people do in their local area and things like that. So people have had three months of sort of intensive training. Um, and we just really pray that that will have an impact, especially on those that are leaving now, but also those that are staying. Um, and when we do get to the Bahamas, which we hope will be not in the too distant future, we're going to be doing a lot of community development. And that's the way, in a sense, the ministry is shifting um, to do, as I say, go into communities. Our aim is to get to the Abaco Islands, which was uh, destroyed by Hurricane Dorian in September last year, um, and to just go and help rebuild the communities there. Um, with whatever's needed. So we can also pray um, that there's a couple of people that will be going hopefully to train ships company in those sort of things, how to do community development, how to um, engage in the community in a new way. Um, so we can pray that, that's, that first of all, they can get there. Um, and secondly, that the training can take place and eventually that we can get to the Bahamas and yeah, be involved in the communities there. Right now, I'd like to backtrack a little bit and sort of home in on your sort of personal story a little bit more. Can you remind us, for those of us who need reminding, but for some of us it will be a new thing, actually how you first sort of got keyed into OM? Okay. This is kind of a two-part question. So um, yeah. the second one is, and again, you, you might need to correct me, it seems like you're a very well-traveled woman and have a sort of a very international sort of outlook. I just, I'm interested as to how that affects your sense of home and place and, and in turn how that might affect your spirituality and just your outlook generally. Um, how I first got into OM is, um, yeah, I, I basically became a believer. I made a commitment, let's put it that way, at the age of 17 at school. Um, before that, I always knew that there was a God out there, but... To me, it was like, God's out there. I don't need him sort of thing. It, it's, it wasn't a personal thing. I always believed that there was a God. Um, and as long as I can remember uh, when I was little, mom would, at night when she put myself and my sister to bed, she would kneel by the bed and sort of like just pray a prayer, etc. So I always knew that there was a God out there. Um, and it was only at school um, that a group of youth leaders came and did what they called the week of witness um, in the school. And so the one afternoon I said to a bunch of friends, let's, let's just go and see what all this Christian stuff is about. <laughs> As you do. Uh, so we went in and uh, into the chapel at the school and there was this meeting. And of course they did the whole altar call who wants to commit their lives to the Lord, etc. Um, and then and I'm like going, but no, I already know that there's a God. So, And then it was sort of like, who wants to recommit their lives to the Lord? So it's like, oh, yeah, okay, that, that's me. So put my hand up and sort of went. With, afterwards, they split the, those that had gone forward into two groups. 
Um, and it was from that time on that I started going to church regularly, to youth group, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but always said I would never be a missionary because to me, missions was for little old ladies in long brown dresses <laughs> going into deepest, darkest Africa, into these little villages that, you know, and that's not me, not, not my idea of fun at all. Anyway, I mean, over time, cut long story short, God really opened my eyes. And I often use the story of Saul on the road to Damascus, where he was blinded and then God opened his eyes to, to what was, he became Paul and God opened his eyes. And that was, to me, was missions. And my first experience of that was actually in 1993. Um, I went on a a short-term trip, which I told God it was on my five weeks for God. You know, I'm going on a short-term mission trip, five weeks for God, that's enough. You know, I, then I, I can tick that box, say I've done it. And it was during that trip that actually I met some ladies from the Dulos, one of our former ships, um, that really opened my eyes to missions being more than just going into villages and preaching the gospel or preaching the gospel because that doesn't come naturally to me. I don't mind answering people's questions, but to actually go out and do it, very, very difficult for me. But I, my eyes got open to the whole area of um, there's so much more to missions. There's so much that needs to be done behind the scenes in order that those people can go out and preach the gospel sort of thing. And I always, I've always been an organizer, an administrator, things like that. So I, I realized there is a place for me in missions. Um, and then it all happened very quickly. In 1995, I got a call from OM in South Africa. Um, the new leader there needed a personal assistant. Would I come and get involved? Um, I got the call on the Thursday, uh, the 27th of April. I remember it well. On the Monday, the 1st of May, I was in South Africa, and that was the start of joining OM. And this year, I just celebrated 25 years with OM. Wow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and just, you know, God's led me on this journey. Um, and as you say, I have moved around a lot. I have traveled a lot. Um, I was three and a half years in South Africa. I then moved to London, which is where my connection was. No, sorry. I went to the Doulas for 15 months and then in 2000, uh, sorry, let me get it right. Yeah, 2000, the year 2000 uh, was when I moved to to London and ended up living in West Wickham. And that how, is how I got my connection with St. John's, um, which, which was amazing. It was, and I mean, still 21 years later, I still feel so much part of the family even though I was actually only in London for 18 months. Yeah. Um, so, and then I moved up to Carlisle. Long story, as I say, I've, I've been in OM. Um, so London, Carlisle, then I joined our Logos Hope project. You can see the Logos Hope on the wall here. Um, but actually ended up going on the Logos 2 to the Caribbean. So Curacao, number of the islands um, that I was... I have seen because I've been on the ships. And then, of course, I did. I have spent a little bit of time on the Logos Hope and here in Mossberg, but often visited the Logos Hope in different places. Um, and just going back to how does that affect me of 
feeling of home and things like that? Um, it's an interesting question because when people ask me where home is, I often refer to my roots being Zimbabwe because I'm a Zimbabwean by birth. Um, I still claim my birthright, even though I've collected a few other nationalities along the way. <laughs> um, but then also home is wherever I'm living at the time. And so here in Mosbach, Germany, it's home. Um, I've always had much more of a traveling spirit. I love going and seeing new places and things like that. So I can be happy and content almost anywhere. Um, but I think what's connected to that is knowing that I'm where God wants me to be. Yeah. And when you know you're in a place where God wants you to be, then it's easy to cope with it. Um, and thankfully, I haven't had the experience of not being in a place where I think God should wants me to be. Although actually, before I came to London, um, when I was on the Dulos, I had been, before I decided to go to the Dulos, I had actually been invited to the job that I came to in London, but only sort of like two years later. Um, and then I changed track and felt that I God was taking me to the Dulos. And then when what I went to do there didn't work out quite as planned because things changed, um, I did really question, was that the right thing to do? Was I supposed to be on Dulos or should, should I have gone straight to London? Yeah. And so that was a personal battle for me. Um, but realized very quickly in a sense that nothing's ever a waste and you always learn new things. Um, God always takes you through experiences that helps you in the future. And that my time on Dulos, it was 15 months, uh, just was a great blessing of learning, um, learning who I was, learning more about what God had for me. Um, so yeah, I'm, I can be happy anyway, if it's the right place. <laughs> 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 Lorraine, that, that's a really great note for us to finish on in the sense of that sense of, you know, going where God calls you. And, and equally, it's a, it's a real blessing to us to know that you still view St. John's as kind of your church family Absolutely. in some ways. And yes, I do. And you're all, you're all very precious to me. And I've just really enjoyed this time that I can connect in a different way because yeah. before it was more sort of like once a year or so I'd pop up for, for a weekend or yeah. whatever. And so just being able to be part of the services, the prayer course, um, do things like this has been, it's really special. So thank you. Thank you also for all your support, um, prayer support and, you know, whatever other support I know comes uh, with you guys from St. John's and it's great to be part of the family. Cool. Thank you, Lorraine. Well, we'll leave you to get home thank for the prayer, the prayer course. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, take Thanks. care. Bye. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye.